0: Greetings to everyone, and welcome to Red Pill and Chill. I'm your host, Brian Bird, and I am here with the lovely Holly Ray Smith. We are a podcast dedicated to shredding the woke left, the increasing insanity of political correctness and cancel culture. So welcome to the show. Sit down on the couch, relax, and come take the red pill with us. Hello, everybody. This is Brian Bird for Red Pill and Chill, and I have a very special guest. RJ is back on the show. She's been here before. RJ, say hello and uh, tell everybody what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm very glad to be back. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, And today we're going to talk about postmodernism, which I talk about a lot anyways.
0: You do, and it's become a huge problem all over the place. This is it's, I believe it's a toxic ideology, it's something that seemed like it went away and it came back, and it came back with a vengeance. So what exactly is it you know a million times more about this than I do, and how did you first become aware of it?
1: Oh, well, to be fair, interestingly enough, the, the first time I heard about it was in art history class, but I didn't really understand that all these art movements had an ideology behind them. Or I understood it, but I just didn't think it will have an effect on today's society. And you know, that's just quite different now because now I say that it has quite a big effect. And and you know, I can't really just go and define it easily because it has a lot of um, components. To be fair, but but I think I think the most important things to know and understand about postmodernism is mainly that it rejects the idea of objective truth, be it um, it science, grand narratives, um, governments, whatever, that that we agree on to be true as a larger society. And it it, it absolutely rejects the idea of individualism and, and mainly puts an emphasis on subjective views and experiences instead.
0: So, you're getting to what I was actually going to get to next. It's subjectivism versus objectivism. This is basically, in my opinion, this is kind of like the, from what I know about it, it's the anti-enlightening. When we had the enlightenment and people wanted to learn, they wanted to learn about what is objectively true. Tell people, what is an objective truth? Some some people may not be familiar with that term.
1: Okay, so basically so an an objective truth is that what what we most of people agree on to be true it's not just you know it, it doesn't really mean the objective truth I in it happens either we know about it or don't um it literally means what we agree on to be true so for example if 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 um if i just stand in the middle of the road and you know I don't see the leaves falling behind me. They still do fall behind me. But postmodernism says, because I literally cannot observe reality objectively, only from my subjective view, from my own point of view, it it makes it impossible for the leaves to fall unless someone has subjectively views it for themselves. So it's quite stupid. It's very self important of thinking because it says, unless I know, it doesn't happen. And there are millions (laughs) and billions of people on the earth and you cannot say that leaves are not falling because some of them don't see them.
0: So this kind of pervades society in many, many different ways. It seems like uh, you talked about the collective. This is a very anti-capitalist ideology, correct?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And... uh, what is the relation to modern leftism and wokeism? I like to always say, you know, you are somebody that is very centrist. You may even be center left. I call you a reluctant culture warrior because you <laughs> are in every in every sense of that word. You really are. And uh, I think you're finding that. But um, so these are not liberals. These are leftist. And where does it kind of fit in with the leftist mentality?
1: But to be fair, it, it's quite interesting because the whole work nonsense comes from academia as a whole. And many teachers are, are activists, for, first and foremost. So what they do instead of teaching young people in in colleges and universities to think for themselves, they they don't teach them what we used to call critical thinking, they teach them critical theories instead. And what they do is they they just basically create more and more activists. And what it does is basically dividing even the left on the inside. Because if you look at the... I think I think the most um, visible way of looking at this is the trans debate, where you can see that there are sides who who say, you know, we accept... Go, go
0: ahead and explain the trans debate.
1: Okay, so the trans debate is basically not what it used to be. Because there are multiple sides for this. And and the basic, I I can't even say that this is the basis of the trans debate, because it's not, it's it's just not easy to put it in one sentence, because trans activists believe in multiple genders and, and multiple gender expressions and all of those things. And instead of treating them separately from what we know as sex, what we know as um, sexual characteristics, um, characteristics, they inflate everything into a big hole of mass, and that's just not not helping anyone to criticize them. Because at the moment we have we have the old school lefties who are actually very accepting of of transsexual people. You know, they say, yeah, sure, you know, they deserve to to live as a normal person, which which is what most of us say which is you know the normal regular sort of thing to to do to to treat your fellow men and women you know with kindness and equality and all that but then the whole transgender thing comes into picture and that's very different because transgender is now an umbrella that includes people who identify as a deer that includes people (laughs) who identify as I Jupiter, as you said before. Yes, planets and, and people who identify as, oh, I It's just, I don't know. They, they can identify anyway. There are hundreds of different genders. And so there are people on the left who promote these ideas because they, they think this is the gender freedom. And then, you know, there are people who don't understand it, but they want to be supportive because they think... That you know the the original idea of the left that used to be that everyone deserves rights and support and you know all of these things, but the thing is, they conflate rights with special treatment and and privileges. For example, yes. they are trying to push for biological male non-binary person, if they feel like they are more comfortable in female places, they should be allowed to go there which is bullshit. Yeah, it's sick. You know, and it's just, that's why they have this huge fight with the radical feminists who are also on the left, but they cannot even, they cannot even accept, uh, at least the radical feminists, they cannot even accept the, the transsexual side of the debate, let alone transgender, non-binary, and the rest. So the left is falling apart of inside already, thanks to this thanks to this whole nonsense. And that's just inside and it's not even thinking about what we on the outside think, like, you know, how unrealistic and how absurd their ideas are.
0: You know, the, the traditional left, the, uh, which in the United States was very centrist, you know, center left, barely, uh, that's pretty much gone. You know, there's very few moderate liberals that exist that haven't just joined you know, the right, at least in the culture wars. Um, I don't know where they go from here. And I, I feel like the postmodernism is exactly this. The idea that, well, I don't like this word. So you know what? I'm going to use this word today. I'm going to use this word. It seemed, they, they get obsessed with, wor- with words.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes through. Um, it, it's sort of a recurring thing with them because the words if you look at them they are a social contract that um that we all sign so we are able to communicate with each other and this is sort of like something that is so largely agreed on that it counts a grand narrative that it's, it it really counts as something like an objective truth and so because we do that they question it and they turn them and twist them until uh, until they can use it to prove that they are right in a certain um, argument or debate and you know based on their own definitions of certain words they are of course fair to um you know they, they just think that because they redefine words um then because the, whatever they say it means what they wanted to say So it seems like they are right. It seems like they are winning the argument and they don't really understand that because it is their own subjective view. In reality, they're not winning. This is just what they think they are doing, but they are not doing that. And, you know, this is why they hate the words because they are set. People in, in regular everyday conversations use certain words in certain ways and they change that. But just because they changed that for their own little community, it won't be changed by large.
0: If you completely destroy and shred the way that people can communicate by their words, you literally shred the entire fabric of a culture that holds itself together. And that's really, it's really a destructive thing. We're definitely seeing them using this to rewrite history. I recently saw, I don't believe we talked about this on the first podcast, but do you remember when they uh, were saying, of course you do, you got a better memory than I do. (laughs) Uh, when they were saying that minorities built the U.K.? Oh,
1: yeah.
0: It's not racist to say the U.K. was built by white people, all right? It, it just it is. I mean, obviously, outside of the traditional United Kingdom of Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, you know, Ireland, and uh, England, you know, obviously, that was built by white people. Now, when you go to India or you go to South Africa or the area in the Boer Wars, that wasn't necessarily. That was used by, built by slaves. They're using it to rewrite history, but aren't they using it to rewrite the present now too by just changing everything? People can no longer... This is not just on the fringes, RJ. People can no longer agree on viewing the exact same thing.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is, I mean, if, if you just look at the, the curriculum in England at the moment, they are trying to change the material to fit the black history into it. So basically they are doing changes to the material. Um recently they are trying to put the the experiences of black people in Nazi Germany into the the lesson about Nazi Germany and that is a huge topic. So that's already a very big topic and you know, is is it's just stupid because Black people were in large numbers just sent away, so they weren't even there and in very tiny numbers had the same faith as the Jews, gays and gypsies, so overall they were barely there. But to make this tiny bit of information into a long part of history they actually have to take stuff out and and then of course they say black history is British history. But if that would be true, we wouldn't need to separate black history into the first place, so it is just not really working out and because of what they're doing with the past, you know they can't change the present because they can say, oh, but there were i mean really, just stick to this example. They can say that oh, there were lots of black people in in Nazi camps and and you know they can turn it and twist it as as long. It might take a few years, but they can take it as far as saying, oh, the Nazi camps were set up just to spy the black people. And that's not true in the wildest of our memories, but because they promote victim mentality, they can do that. And they will try to do that. I'm sure they will try to do that. And this is basically what, we, I mean, I'm sure everyone who listens to this have read uh, 1984. And if you remember, they said the same yes. thing. There is no a fixed past, and because of that, there is not a fixed presence. Because if you don't know the past, if the past is very changeable and fluid, it doesn't even matter, but it makes the present non-existent as well.
0: RJ, you're seeing it play out again right now. You know, you're talking about those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it, obviously, is what you're referencing. And obviously, when you're talking about George Orwell, he was a complete... (laughs) complete visionary you know he was 30 years too early but god the guy was yeah absolutely brilliant you know news speak i mean and there were postmodern concepts in the book i mean the department of what was it the the department of love or the department of truth
1: yeah there's the, they the named... mystery of uh, ministry of truth the ministry of yes. love and the ministry of war and um, I mean, it is getting worn out. We said it so, so, so many times now that you know everything is too authoritarian, everything is 1984 now. But it is. I mean, it It is. is. If you just look at the the fact that in Hungary you can now get imprisoned for spreading false information about COVID-19, and then what counts as false information is dictated by the government of course you know that that's just not really right it's not like saying okay so first of all um spreading information shouldn't get you into prison second of all spreading false or non-false information should also not get you into prison and what is that that a separate entity as the government decides what's true and what's not instead of letting people decide it for themselves
0: Government with an agenda, too, of course. Yes, of course. So, I mean, yeah, you've got situations. I'm seeing that in Australia. I'm seeing that in Germany as well. Obviously, the Hungary thing is a different... uh, That's coming from the right as opposed to these other places are coming from the left. And it seems like, uh, obviously, Orban is trying to... uh, in, In Hungary, he's trying to... You know, minimize any damage he has from the COVID-19. Has COVID-19 hit Hungary very hard?
1: Uh, not in the first run no. But okay. But we didn't really have like you know COVID relief and stuff like that. Now we do have something like a full load there as well. But loads of people lost their jobs, uh, and and there weren't many many places closed. So for example here. In the UK, we have the lockdowns, we have the tier system, we have loads and loads of businesses and workplaces closed all the time, all year. But in Hungary, it was about a month, and everything has opened back up. Anything that okay. can run is running, because if they let the economy slip just for a second, the whole country is absolutely, properly fucked.
0: Yeah. Well, I I agree with that. I mean, Florida is obviously like that, and it's uh it's a lot better to be here right now than it is a lot of other states. And of course, like the United Kingdom is, uh, it's a mess right now. And a lot of other countries are, you know, these people, I find that whenever they disagree with something, they can assign a new word to it and make it, I mean, isn't it to the point where, I mean, some people would go as far as it'll be midnight and they'll say, Oh, it's so bright outside.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think I used this, um, example in my, uh, latest you video did. yeah about about postmodernism because the thing is if if the argument is let's say it's dark at night the answer is going to be who defines what dark at night means and
0: Which is a bullshit argument of to start course it off is, with
1: it. but, but they, they absolutely take away the concept of common sense and replace it with their own sort of subjective ideas about whatever fits their agenda. So it's, it's not necessarily going to be the same argument from two different people on the left, who, who, let's say on the woke left, to be to be more precise, but they're going to go to the same direction. It's going to be two subjective ideas, how they can explain it, how they can change the word's meanings. But it's going to be the same end.
0: You know, with any perverse and toxic ideology, which uh, postmodernism is and all of its spawns, now we're going to talk about the spawns Mm -hmm. that it has had, and I think there's nothing more uh, prevalent than Black Lives Matter. I think that is, uh, you know, the whole, the name right there, Black Lives Matter, implies that all other lives don't matter or that black lives didn't matter before. And uh, so really... What I find with these people is it's always, you're racist, I win. When your ideology can't cash any check because it's founded on absolute nonsense, it always goes to name-calling, it always goes to, we talked about off-air, the alt-right, you're a Nazi. You know, people who want freedom, by the way, are not Nazis. The Nazis uh, were the antithesis of this, and they were actually a more leftist ideology than most people know. They were actually socialist. In some ways, not traditional socialist. No, they're national so,
1: socialists, So you know, that correct, Yes.
0: Yeah. So, what is the relationship, and how prevalent is it with uh, postmodernism and the social justice movements that we're seeing? I don't know any of them that may be happening in the UK or the EU, but what's going on with that?
1: Well, to be fair, I wouldn't say it's happening in the EU too much, because it, it's just not really like that. I mean, they did have some protests and stuff like that, but, you know, it died down quite, rather quickly. In the UK, they are trying to push it, but just recently, last week, we had a football team kneeling as the start of the, of the match, and they got booed. So, of course, the paper said that whoever booed them were racist, and oh, yeah. and definitely not because, you know... the the political agenda behind it, whatever it means, whatever it suggests is what they don't want in sports, because sports has nothing to do with them. In the first place, that that's just one of the reasons. But anyways, like, like, for example, even if you support Black Lives Matter, you don't necessarily want to see all those Black Lives Matter banners at NFL, and, and you know, all of the other other games that we've seen throughout the last few months. And so, To go back to to the name Black Lives Matter just for two seconds, they say that it is, it means what it means, but All Lives Matter is racist because it doesn't include Black Lives Matter. So, but it does include it, they just have a problem with including every other um, races. So it's quite, again, the, the same thing with the words playing around and twisting and and that's just so annoying because black lives matter is a statement that no sane and non-racist person would disagree with of course black lives matter but also all lives matter because just because you're black you don't worth less or more than let's say an asian person but this is not where we are at the moment and with all of these things together, like like Black Lives Matter and, and critical race theory and postmodernism and all that, they they're not just, you know, popping up together They build on each other and, and they try to create a modern version of, of what they already had. So, for, for example, postmodernism is, is very different today than it was in, let's say, 1960s, but they are adapting one idea to the other. For example, they use Marxism, Communism, Socialism and all these ideas and mix them with critical race and critical gender theory to say that we can only live in an equal and free society if we adhere to these rules. Like as Marxism builds on the differences between classes to use that and signal that the actual difference is not just class, but intersectional hierarchies. So despite the fact that Oprah is like one of the richest person in the whole wide world. She is an oppressed black woman because intersectionality gives her the oppression points that a homeless white person don't have. So it's just really going again. It's just really unrealistic. It's all about the social, um ideas and, and the social imagination of these things.
0: You know, it just shows I, I feel like the postmodernist theory and Marxism and which predated it obviously, and then you have the critical race theory, which in my opinion is nothing more than picking favorites to the exclusion of others. And it will critical race theory will lead to massive, massive violence and racial strife because what you're doing is you're actually choosing others saying, all right, and we've seen this all over the place. It started with affirmative action and it got, it's got much, 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 much worse. At least the idea behind affirmative action was a, uh, you know, was a positive to try to rectify issues from the past. And obviously it went out of, it got out of hand real quick and it's continued. But, um, you've got, it's a very anti-nationalist, mentality. And my, when I mean nationalist, I mean it seems to hate national identity, seems to encourage mass immigration to completely destroy these countries like we're seeing in France. By the way, they don't have a country. France doesn't have a country. They are a complete mess. You know, Florida, United States is a mess. France is a total mess. You know, you've got all of the issues they have with COVID. You've got a massive... Number of unfettered immigration that I'm I'm hearing you guys are having as well with the dinghies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a, going
1: it's... on. We just had laws passed against it, and it's still going on. We just had two Cause new because no dinghies one's enforcing
0: it. Two new dinghies? and these dingies are are packed to the brim, right?
1: Well, of course.
0: Yeah. So you're seeing it in France. You're seeing it in the U.S., where you know pride in one's country, even if doing great things, is discouraged and downright vilified what did what did the uk do to black people recently that this that they're kneeling i mean they haven't their cops aren't killing anybody
1: this is all all the, the usual virtue signaling but i i really never understand this from a business point of view because first of all england is still a country where the majority of people are white Okay, even the immigrants. So, black people for the full UK population 3%. People who aren't white and aren't black altogether about 8%. So, we have around 11% to 14%, somewhere there, for people who aren't white. So, what is the point? in pondering to people who are a minority in a business point of view, because if I want to run a business successfully, I'm going to ponder to the majority of the people, because then it means more people going to buy my products or my services or whatever. So virtual signaling has no positive effect, has no, no. positive business effect, and it's still going on. It's absolutely not about what the country did to black people or what they didn't. It's all about the activism that they're going to get on the end of if they are refused to ponder.
0: You know, they and we haven't really seen the mass unrest in the UK, have you guys? You guys didn't have anything like we had in the US, even on probably a level of one percent, right?
1: Yeah, we, no, we didn't have any riots. We we had protests. We had uh, statues taken down and we had uh, graffiti and stuff like that, which is not nice. And obviously, the police just kneeled beside them while they were doing all of this vandalism. But
0: Oh, your cops suck. Yeah. I gotta say, your cops suck. They are
1: very soft. This is why it's yeah. also a very stupid argument here that police brutality. I think more people are brutal to the police than vice versa here. So... I mean, I've, I seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of videos where police are technically being ganged on and beaten up by regular citizens.
0: You saw the video where the cop got pulled off of his horse. Yeah. And uh, no, but this is very true. In the UK, the most force I've seen the cops use are the people who are protesting the COVID restrictions. Not Same. any other. Have you seen that as well?
1: Yeah, it's the same here. We had Extinction Rebellion. We had BLM during lockdowns, during Tier 3, um, where they said about the the COVID protests that they are breaking the rules, but they didn't say that about the BLM and Extinction Rebellion. The the police kneeled for them and then just left them alone to vandalize anything they wanted to when it came to the the anti-lockdown and anti-vaccination and anti-whatever protests when it came to COVID, they were cracking down, they were arresting everyone, they were pushing people over, you know. It's very different how they treat uh, that.
0: I think it's I think it's kind of strange to the same people who were taking away everybody's li- liberties are now pushing pushing the cure. It's gotten a little bit creepy. I was never an anti-vaxer before RJ, but I got to tell you. 2020 has been a time of uh of choosing and great changes and uh i'm not gonna be taking the vaccine
1: yeah no Uh, no one i know will take the vaccine because i i tell you what i am also not an anti-vaxxer never been i have all my vaccinations from my childhood i would go to get any vaccination that i know is safe and i know the long-term effects and i know what it entails what can happen I know people who died from the H1N1 vaccination back in the day when that was fast-tracked. Oh I am not taking the vaccine that's been made in eight months, and I have no idea how it can affect my health in the next upcoming years and decades. And while while the whole virus has about a 99% Survival rate for me as a young adult a young happy adult and far so anyway, greater yes so it's like why would i take it why would i risk my health to protect myself from something that doesn't really risk my health
0: and you don't know you don't know, you don't know about the genetic potential changes that could happen to your offspring you have a kid yeah you know so you just you just don't know i i think you're very smart for not taking it i think uh You know, even President Trump said it the other day, he says, if you want it, you know, take it. If you don't, don't. You know, I think uh, the idea that it is 95% effective is a little strange to me. You know, we have flu vaccines that never have been more than 75% effective ever. And we've been doing them for decades. Now, this virus that supposedly is the most complex ever that nobody knows about, now all of a sudden they make the best vaccine ever?
1: Yeah, it's a bit fishy.
0: You know, Jonah Salt would, uh, you know, took Jonah Salt, who was brilliant, 20 years to develop the polio vaccine. He had lots of help. Now, I understand it was a different time, and obviously science wasn't at the level it was. But no, and, you know, honestly, I never believed in the whole Bill Gates thing. Now I'm a little creeped out by Bill Gates, the fact that he's involved everything, always, forever and ever. But I I guess as we're getting to the end here, there's two things I want to get to. Well, one... What the hell did the UK have to do with George Floyd's death?
1: <laughs> Ask this from every other single country where they had protests about it. Ask this from uh, Poland, from Germany, you know, like what they had to do about it, why they are protesting. Because they did have worldwide protests in the name of that chunky criminal. And, yeah. you know, we have a, a, a street named after him in Edinburgh. And I just Oh, I did not it. know that. Yeah, it was I did not ago. know that. And and can we just not have streets named after American criminals in Edinburgh? Like seriously, can we just not? Because this is ridiculous. And the whole thing is it doesn't matter that we had anything to do with them or not, what um makes BLM still running sort of relatively um in the UK is the the colonizers argument, which is bullshit again, because yeah, of course, this is the example of what I bring up all the time. And I'm not going to stop bringing this up because try to dispute this. If you say that white people today are responsible for what might people done back in the days, disregarding the fact that English English people were the first one to abolish slavery, and Africa never did that. Still today it's not abolished, it's still not illegal, it's still not unlawful. They still have slavery there legally. So let's just start with that. If we
0: we blame
1: current white people for what past white people done, then we should blame current black people for what past black people done, or even current black people for what current black people doing in other countries. So, for example, African-Americans should be blamed for what African slave traders are doing today. It's stupid. Why would they? Yeah. They have nothing to do with that. And so it is true about the past and current white people as far. Because, for example, why should I fear white kids living in the UK? Because some people were doing what everyone else was doing at the time, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. This is just absolute nonsense. And
0: you know, uh, you really hit it. You really hit it. The Brits back when they were in the, heavy in the slave trade in the 1600s, and they brought it to the what became the United States later, post-revolution. Those who were selling the slaves, gathering the slaves, capturing the slaves—they were black. Yeah. And uh, nobody likes to talk about that because it's an uncomfortable truth that what you just talked about. Um, if. Black people are only kept down. Of course, we'll be accused of being Nazis and racists for saying this, and it's quite opposite. If black people are being kept down only by the white men, why is almost every African country a ravaged shithole that is filled with genocide, disease, very few African countries that run well, and they have the interference of almost no white men? The United Kingdom did... They brought a degree of stability to the world that uh, no other country did, and they did that because the u k everywhere they went, they tried their best to instill a good education system. You saw that in Bermuda. you saw that in the Bahamas. you saw that in uh other countries, African countries. When these people come from Africa, they're usually very educated. Those people come from the Bahamas, they're very educated, they speak well they uh, learned things that others did not they brought education to the to the world so the british have nothing to be ashamed of and uh the white people of the uk or the us have nothing to be ashamed of as well
1: yeah absolutely and and this is another thing that i don't understand about this and i really don't want to overrun the time i just want to add this part about this because as you know all the postmodern and woke and all of these people are very anti-nationalist as you said as far this is the thing because when i was a child and i was learning history we had winners and losers yes and that's it it wasn't about whites and black and asian and all that we had winners and losers and if you won you should have been proud of it and when you lost you should have remember it and learn from it so basically uk is trying to be geared into thinking that by being a successful and and winner country everything that they achieved throughout history they should be feeling guilt over it because some people didn't like it because the loser side didn't like it that's just stupid like if i if i run a marathon and i won the first place i'm not going to feel guilty because the people who didn't make on the second and the third feel left out they should have worked hard no, you know that's it it's just yeah. That, that's the very same thing.
0: Think about, and this will be the last part of the, this topic, but it, it's exactly what you're coming to. When China was all awful, China now is rising quickly and they're going to be a problem for every Western country on a massive level that we haven't seen since the Soviet Union and even plus, they will be stronger than the United States. They believe so by 2027, uh, which is a scary, scary thought. But, Think about what was the best part of China for forever. It was Hong Kong, who was owned by who until 1999? Well, am I answering? Well, I mean, it was owned by the United Kingdom. I mean, clearly they, yeah. So, I mean, they were, for a long time, the only uh, prosperous and uh, area that actually had human rights. They had an education system. They had food for the people. I mean, it was a big difference. So, obviously, we've touched on all of this, but when logic and common sense are completely out the window, which they are with all these postmodern philosophies, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, all these anti-nationalist, anti-national pride movements, I kind of consider it like drug dealer. A drug dealer can't call the cops when his stuff is stolen or he's been ripped off. So... When you don't have the ability to reason with anybody and win any arguments, don't you believe that violence, like we've seen in the US with the protest, is inevitable to keep rising when they don't get their way?
1: Well, I don't like to be the, the bearer of bad news, but probably, yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean that Common Sense cannot shut it down almost immediately, but I'm sure there will be an and an sort of rise, a, a sudden rise of violence, but the thing is, I believe, or I would like to believe that the majority of the people, um, including activists for other causes, like non-voke causes, politicians, and normists too, like all of the, the side of common sense, and, you know, I, I would like to think that they do, you know, they still believe in common sense, and you know, what we call science, and what we built our societies on for decades and i really think that that most people would reject these woke ideas as a whole and and the true barrier is that a lot of people don't know enough about this to know how dangerous woke ideologies can get on the long run so so that's why i think the the violence will come to to happen because people don't know about it enough to shut it down before that could happen but when it will happen i think it will be shut down
0: i think you hit on something another topic for another time i <laughs> think uh the media is the reason exactly the way you report things you can control the grand narrative you can control it the media has done it forever they've done it in the u.s to an extreme and now you're seeing it in the uk you're seeing you know very few a, very few people actually control all of the major media outlets so it's very important that we see this rj it was great to have you back on is there anything else that you'd like to add
1: mm, i don't think so no i mean
0: would you like to plug your youtube channel
1: sure <laughs> you can Go find ahead, me it. you can find me just look for binary library and same thing twitter binary underscore library Uh i rant about this same stuff all the time so
0: she does. The videos are getting shorter and shorter, so we hope that you'll fire it up and do some uh, some longer videos and more frequent videos. But anyway, for RJ, this is Brian Bird signing off. Thank you, everybody. Red Pill and Chill is produced by the Freedom First Press, hosted by Brian Bird and Holly Ray Smith. Audio produced by Norman Crenshaw, executive producer Jared Crenshaw. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and parlor at Freedom First Press. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom First Press. For more information and news, check out our website at freedomfirstpress.com and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you for listening. Copyright Freedom First Press 2020.